0: Even if all of that didn't happen, there was something that I knew that having you in my life for whatever amount of time it was going to be was going to change my life in some way. I'm getting the tingles right now. Like, five, four, three, two, one, go.
1: Welcome back to In Residence. I'm Keith. And I'm Laura. Hey, Laura. Hey, Keith. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing okay. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right. What have you been up to?
0: Mm. Well, I spent almost the entire week in Madison on a work trip, so I had lots of meetings. So that was good. And then this weekend, we basically, think, just stayed home, celebrated some birthdays. I did a deep clean in my closet. Sorry, I got really excited about that. (laughs) That's well overdue. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was, that was fun. I think I texted you at one point and I said, help.
1: Yeah. Moral support. Yeah. For the decluttering.
0: There gets to be a point where I have decision fatigue. And then either everything looks like I should just donate it because I don't, I'm like, I don't really need it. <laughs> or everything is like, well, maybe I should just hang on to that for a hot second. Because why would I get rid of it if I might buy something and replace it right away? So you helped me through that. I appreciate that. Right on. What did you do last week?
1: Just sat around and waited for you to come home. Aww. Had some Zoom calls. Purple Space, they had a community Zoom that was really fun and to connect with people and do like some breakout rooms and just kind of gets you invigorated to like make connections and maybe meet some new people and, and see what other people are working on. And then, you know, my birthday came and went and it was fine.
0: Didn't age a day, darling.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you were gone, so I was just kind of laid back and I had time to just kind of chill with the kids and just had a nice weekend. And so anyway, what do you want to talk about?
0: I want to talk about loving the journey you're on. When I go on work trips, I listen to lots of podcasts or Audible books and before I went down to Madison, I got the book, Mel Robbins, uh, Five Second Rule. And that led me down this rabbit hole of how do you really create a life that you love, not just one that you love, but one that you're truly happy in. And so really trying to think, how do you not just become happy, but how do you give yourself agency To, if you're not happy, how do you change it? If you feel like you're stuck, how do you get unstuck? If you use the word, I'm fine.
1: (laughs) Right? How many years in a row did I say that on my way home when you called me?
0: All the time. How was your day today? Fine. (laughs) What did you do today? Not much. Then I'd get home and I'd say, hey, tell me more about your day. And you would say
1: really do anything right
0: (laughs) it was fine it was fine like i said i already told you it It was was fine
1: fine. let's yeah it's uh definitely like deflecting and not wanting to do any work i guess on it (laughs) right anyway
0: i actually have a i have a sweatshirt that says the first rule of passive aggressive club is never mind it's fine yeah (laughs) right and that that makes me laugh because i think we hear that a lot just generally But when it comes to our lives and what we want to do and what we want to achieve and going after our dreams and our journey to do that, to say, you know what, it's fine, is not exactly where we want to be. We know we can do better. We can expect more. So Keith, you and I have been on this journey together. And I know we talked about there was a time when you would often say it's fine when you're thinking about what you were doing right then. Yeah. And it's hard when you're in the moment, but now that you're looking back on that time in your life, what did you learn from that? What do you think about? Does that make sense?
1: I mean, I was, (laughs) I was fine being fine, but now looking back, I wish it had bothered me more that I was simply fine. And then on another hand, it, it's okay, you know. Like I was doing what I had to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I had known how to ma- how to transition, but it's also not all doom and gloom. I guess this is probably why I'm hesitating. Looking back, it it seems a little more dramatic. Like I was unhappy, and it was the worst, and that it wasn't. It was fine. Working somewhere that I had to be. We've talked about that before a bunch, you know. The people I worked with were great. It just wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't as fulfilling as it could have been or what I expected or maybe dreamed that my work would be, right? I didn't think I'd be doing what I was doing, working in a factory when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And so I wish I had had more tools to push through that faster and realize that it, I had, I, you know, I didn't have agency, I didn't have that mindset. And so that's looking back. That's the biggest thing, you know, and that can easily go into like, oh, I wasted so much time not working harder or this or that. It's not quite that. It's, it's more, I wonder how, it, how I can make it better for other people that are going through the same thing, kind of, you know, or like thinking about like, how do I make sure we help our kids set themselves up to be doing work that is significant, meaningful, and enjoyable?
0: We're all on this journey and, on that journey, there might be things that at the time aren't as fulfilling as we hope they would have been, or they aren't as fulfilling as we would have liked. You look back and you thought that was hard or difficult.
1: That, yeah. That's more what it's like, right? Like hindsight is, is making it feel not as hard and sometimes harder than it was. Like there were days where you just feel stuck and like you're never going to get anywhere else. But what's coming up for me now and why I'm interjecting is trying to remember with some grace that for the most part I was really good at biding my time. And that's kind of what I was doing because we had had a conversation at one point that we're going to get you through your PhD program. Right? And that's going to be our focus is making sure that that's the course that we're going and i was going to be your support person in that as well as you know mm-hmm. in our journey together
0: yeah we talked about that up front yeah cuz i knew it was going to be way too much if well, i was the only one that was all in
1: and so what i think now is that i really i really underestimated how much work it was going to be for me to help you do all that work that you did it doesn't seem like i did very much but no, it you feel, feels like i did right like we were a team so yeah so i don't want to be all like woe is me and i kind of want to get past that <laughs> and out of that because i made the best out of my situation i think i'm kind of good at that i mean that was that's that's maybe a better way of framing it was like wasn't exactly where i wanted to be but i showed up most days figuring out how i could do my work to the best of my ability the way that i was going to do it to be satisfied with the work i was doing and like a job well done kind of thing you know mm-hmm. and like i approach my work with precision and like an eye for detail and all these things that make me a good factory worker <laughs> so i le- i leaned into it and i i mentioned this probably a lot before but it was just i would put earbuds in and i would listen to books just like you going on a work trip right yeah every day at work was like a work trip for me where i'm like Music, podcasts, books, taking it in, trying to learn. I probably could have done more reflection and cataloging of what I was taking in instead of just taking it in, actually reviewing it and like putting some of that schooling to work of like studying what I was doing instead of kind of just letting it all kind of go in and stuff. Just
0: consuming.
1: But yeah. It was a kind of medicinal in a way of like just keeping something going between my ears when I was maybe zoning out a little bit. Anyway, I'm rambling. Mm-hmm.
0: So again, I said I went down a rabbit hole. One of the things that Mel recommended in in this book was The Alchemist. And I had never read The Alchemist. Oh, right. Have you read it? Yeah,
1: I've oh, I listened to it.
0: Well, I have busted through that. One of the things that I find really amazing as part of that, can't remember how they talk about it, but you are on your journey. And throughout that journey, you have choices to make. Do you lean into your intuition in a way and follow a path that you may not, maybe it doesn't feel safe or predictable necessarily, but you're using your intuition and trusting that there's a reason that that is your next move. Every step of the way, you have lessons to learn before you can really achieve your life's Purpose. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but that's kind of what I took from it. I was thinking, what does that journey look like for you? What does that journey look like for me? When are those moments that we jumped in and followed that intuition and didn't necessarily make? I don't know. The reason I'm struggling, because I don't know if the safe choice was necessarily opting in to working in a factory.
1: Like the safe thing was I we, I needed a job. It didn't feel safe going and asking for one. It felt really vulnerable and weird to go back and like I hadn't asked for a job in like a long time. It felt like because the last time I had a job, I, I got it when I was a teenager, you know? Right. I hadn't interviewed or, or anything like since I was 14, maybe.
0: You were working when you were 14?
1: Yeah. I did seal coating on driveways and what am I trying to say? It not feeling predictable to go and get a job in the cabinet shop. Right. But it led to predictability and it, it led to something that was consistent and predictable and needed that, but I also needed more than that.
0: From that time what lessons have you taken with you from there
1: Oh, i learned a lot people skills as well as like actually like be skilled at some labor i also just lifted heavy things like <laughs> so i joke about like i can lift heavy things you know like <laughs> cabinets are heavy and moving them into houses is just you just hulking it around you know and that's not that's like one of the things where it's like i didn't think that's hulking
0: it around
1: that's not something i thought i was going to be doing i thought i was going to be singing and playing music and writing and and then here i was using my body kind of abusing it too because you don't you just literally just muscle some of these things anyway i learned a lot of craftsmanship and a lot of how to meet a deadline and how to get things done But I also brought to it, my particularness was really good in those types of environments because you're making something that's going to be in somebody's home. And to take the care, because yeah, I might not have been like super fulfilled in the work, but I took a lot of pride in my work and wanted to make sure that whatever I was loading into the trailer that was going to be in someone's home, I would be happy to have it in my house, in my home seeing people appreciate that type of attention to detail in me, like people, people noticed. And that, so that was affirming and it kind of just, it kind of in my back of my head, I'm like, that's right. Like I I'm good at things, you know,
0: (laughs) in previous experiences. Have you, did you feel that before? No, no.
1: I mean, nothing, uh, nothing really uh, above and beyond.
0: And it, it, just so you know, I mean, I'm not saying that because I I think you, it was absent in other experiences, but it was something that stood out to you in this experience. It,
1: it's in the cabinet shop, it stood out.
0: And even that, I, and so I, I'm sure you learn more things. What's interesting is I see that, and I'll, I'm going to call it a lesson or a mm-hmm. light bulb, right, that you had at the cabinet shop. I see that. Playing out and applying to the creative work you're doing now.
1: I mean, like I've really, I've always been fairly good at. Once I figure out a process, I know how to refine it and how to make incremental improvements that seem like not a big deal to many people. But when you're doing the same thing, a tiny little improvement is a big deal. Whether it's making the process easier for you or or easier for the next person, it comes back to you exponentially. If you can find something like that and the repetition of going through a process and then going through the same process again, but a little different because it was like custom cabinets. Yeah. And then now looking at that with like editing, like a podcast or putting out content, it's it. I think it's very interchangeable. The processes for which you approach whatever project it is you're doing in whatever medium, if you get your reps in, I mean, that's why they say, like, if you're going to start a YouTube channel, it's like just start the first video is going to be bad and it's going to get better. I I guess maybe that's probably where I started to learn like that, like failing's not great. It doesn't feel great to fail, but if you mess up, it's probably fixable, you know? Yeah. And so that started to maybe solidify a little more. Like, I I think I did a lot of, a lot of growing in that time. Uh, I guess it was my thirties for the most part. Sometimes I, when I look back, I think the other day I wrote down, like, that felt like a lost decade Mm. in a way, but um, I like thirties. Yeah. Hmm. But as soon as I wrote it, I was kind of like, okay, that sounds harsh. I didn't examine it really close, but it was more of, I think my focus was more on making sure everything was fine and everything was okay. And we were getting by and and I haven't thought about it much more than that. And I know it wasn't my entire thirties, by the way. it's, it's less, the more I thought about it, the, the more it wasn't lost. It was just a lot of learning. Now I'm kind of looking back and taking it in and realizing you have a lot of experience doing certain things and it can be applicable. It's, it's okay to look back. And like you said, it was part of the journey and appreciate the things that I got out of it. I'm mostly talking about work, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think, where I'm maybe struggling a little because I'm, I'm listening to the different examples you're giving, and they're very concrete. But maybe that's, that is okay. What I'm trying to think through is when you were 18, graduating from high school, mm-hmm. off to become a rock star,
1: <laughs> I wasn't, though. I was going to college.
0: <laughs> well, I've been a rock star in college. So your 18-year-old self, looking back, is this what you expected your journey to be like?
1: This or what I've gone through? I'd never in a million years thought what the the last two decades were would have led me to where I am now. I didn't think this is where I would be Okay, 100%. And I sure didn't think what I went through for the last 20 years was going to get me here.
0: I think our journeys are unpredictable even if you think you know where it is you're going to go.
1: Yeah, I did not know where I was going to go.
0: I think the thing I'm struggling with is the lessons we're learning or the lessons you talked about. Uh some of them were very practical.
1: Mhm. <laughs> Hi, we've met.
0: <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> no, but you know, being more efficient, improving processes, yep. fine craftsmanship. But the thing that that i'm I'm thinking about is the journey that has brought us to ourselves right now mm-hmm. and we have more journey to go. the thing that I'm trying to figure out is how did this journey come to be put together, and I'm saying journey a lot, there I just sorry i it could have it could have been different by things that we said yes to or no to. It could have been different if you and I didn't end up dating and getting married.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and in fact, it—I mean, we almost didn't. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: I—if yeah. I had not thrown out my housing form, we would have never met.
0: That is true, right? There's a little bit of of happenstance there, and I think also there were, there was some time from when we met to when we started dating. And I had graduated. <laughs> and I think you bumped into my sister. Yep. And she said you should call Laura.
1: hmm Thanks, Jenny.
0: <laughs> and so it was this, and I remember and You didn't answer. I didn't? No. <laughs> I
1: was
0: probably screening my calls. You were
1: you said you were bowling.
0: I probably was bowling. You
1: called me back like the next day though. Did I? Yeah.
0: I was probably up jumping up and down in the parking lot with my <laughs> flip phone. <laughs> I feel like there's there's things that I've leaned into when I've just felt like, hey, not sure where this is going to go, but this just feels right. And I would say dating you was one of those things. We first met and I was like, oh, that guy's pretty cool. <laughs> he's he's nice. He's funny. And you love music. And I love music. Um, I think I was playing guitar and you wandered into my apartment, mm-hmm. right? Right. Was playing it badly, but oh, you it you're so kind of me, but there was always something about you and I, there's, you know, and maybe I'm, this is probably too much to say on a podcast, but like, I could just feel it in my gut and I fought it for a while. <laughs> right. I, I mean, we didn't date really until
1: two years later, two years something. later, yeah.
0: but like. I felt it and I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about you. And Jenny knew that. So it wasn't just that Jenny saw you at a party. She knew that like there was something about you that just that I couldn't stop thinking about and just compel me. Okay. Why? You're
1: making me feel embarrassed.
0: Why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> getting shy. Anyway. What? You're getting shy. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So the reason I'm saying that is that there are some some things on your journey that you feel and you lean into and you go towards that potentially changes everything from that point forward. And there are some things that you don't do, even when you have that intuition like, hey, I should do that. And then you just miss your moment. Yeah. So when you called and I was bowling, apparently, <laughs> of course, I was going to call you back because I knew that it was something that I needed to take a chance on. Even if we didn't fall in love and get married and have kiddos, right? <laughs> and start a podcast. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Which was not on my bingo card, by the way. What? Us starting a podcast was not on a bingo card. Even if all of that didn't happen, there was something that I knew that having you in my life for whatever amount of time it was going to be, was going to change my life in some way. Does that make sense?
1: I'm hearing it. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> so I think what I'm trying to, to say is leaning into those moments aren't always easy. And sometimes leaning into those moments, it, it's the thing that you don't always want to do, like going and working in a factory, Right but there's something about them that your life is just going to ebb and flow. And the the path that I thought from point A to point B when I graduated from high school wasn't what that journey looked like. I guess what I'm trying to ask or trying to say, have there been moments where you have leaned into something or said yes to something that Your intuition said, All right, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. What was it?
1: I think the biggest one, the most important one, was the night I went back down to your room and told you that I thought you were really great. (laughs) And that was two years before we started dating. It was. And we we like we went somewhere and like hung out with like some friends or something. We had already said goodnight and I went up to my room and then I'm like, Oh, you know, I I didn't say what I m- I meant to say, and so I went back down and I basically said I had a really nice night with you, and that's one of those times. So what you're describing, it's it's like it's a leap, like jumping over the edge, and you're not quite sure how you're gonna land or how cold is the water. Yeah, and sometimes you just gotta dive in, and once you do, it's usually not as scary as you thought once you you've done it. Right. So yeah, there's a f- probably a few moments like that. But, I mean, I've never forgot that.
0: (laughs) I haven't either. Has there ever been a time, because on the one side, there's the time when you rise to the occasion and jump in, even if it's scary. But then there's the other times when you see a moment, you're going to act on it, and you go, ooh, and you pull back. Yeah. And you don't. Regret. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any of those moments that stick out?
1: I'm sure I have. Uh, nothing's mm. jumping out right now.
0: Well, I can. How about this? I can think of of an example, but it's it's not like a life altering and changing, and I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. So one thing where there's always been this whisper in my head of of like, ooh, I'd really like to sing, you know, like you and I. Mm-hmm have a little duet band sort of a thing. Mm. That's something that I haven't, I don't even know if I've actually told you that, but I love to sing.
1: We haven't made that happen. We haven't made that
0: happen, right? There's also something that's somewhat terrifying about getting up and singing at a coffee shop or something like that, yet people do it every day. So that's something for me that not sure if it's something like I wanna be a famous duo with you or anything. But that's
1: probably the wrong reason to want to do it, if that was the reason.
0: Yeah. But that that's something that I've kind of not even named, I don't think.
1: In passing we've talked about playing music together, but you know, you've never really come out and said that. Yeah. So that's with anything that feels like it's a little scary or I'm not ready for that or Uh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like the best thing I I heard about that is that usually means it's time for you to lean into that. Right. That part of you that's pulling away from it is trying to keep you comfortable and not changing. And so even like for my example of going down and just telling you again, what a great night I had hanging out with you. (laughs) Right. Or just going and deciding to do an open mic, whether it's comedy or music or reading a, a poem. Making that decision is scary, but those types of things, once you realize that you have more to lose by not doing it than doing it and failing, like that's not as scary as never doing it, right? The constantly thinking of, oh, if I only is way worse than, oh, I did that and I made a fool out of myself. So I don't often give in to the part of me that says, no, don't try that when it's something I. I really secretly want to be doing and that's me but but maybe that's why the 30s felt kind of lost because that was a time when I really wasn't getting any opportunities to choose to leap in the area of my life that made makes me feel the most alive like art and music and and things like that so yeah that maybe just kind of unlocked something because like you said, I'm really practical, and I was taking away everything good I could from my situation and I'm seeing the the strengths of of where I was and what I was doing and what I was learning and trying to not be down about it, but those kind of whimsical things of like going and telling a girl you like her or a boy or whoever that feeling that you get in your gut, that fuzzy, warm or cold pit of this may or may not work it can be all these weird feelings at once and if you go for it and you read that poem out loud and no one's probably going to boo you. And if somebody says, no, I don't want to go to the bookstore with you or go have coffee. Like, at least you asked, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, because some of it isn't what happens after it. Some of it is about you doing the thing.
1: Yeah, that's all it's about It's the process. <laughs>
0: Mel Robbins' book, Five Second Rule, it says a lot about just going and basically trying to make yourself do something when you may not want to. And I thought it was somewhat interesting, really setting it up, saying when you have that gut intuition or that feeling like, hey, I should do this, but your brain's going to intervene really quickly and be like, eh, maybe not. Because it wants to keep you comfortable, safe, not embarrassed, not rejected, all those things. But the idea of being like, okay, I'm going to count down five, four, three, two, one, and just do the thing. Cannonball. (laughs) Cannonball. I like that. Cannonball. She said rocket ship.
1: Did she? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I have used it to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) I don't want to get up. It's five. Okay. Okay. Me sitting here arguing with myself is not helpful. So I'll go five, four, three, two, one, stand up, Laura. And it works. And there's so many things that you can apply it to. But I think the whole premise is really figuring out how do you get yourself to act when you have that intuition that you want to act? Because those small moments are going to lead you into continuing on the journey and the path that you're intended to follow.
1: Yeah. So here we go. Now we're getting into it. Okay. Like that. The small moments come from small steps. Yep. You counting to 5 or down from 5 to get out of bed, that's a small step, right? Yep. Simply going to get up, going to sit up <laughs> right now kind yeah, of thing. Get out of bed. <laughs> I had several false starts in the thirties. We're just going to call it my thirties. Right. I had a few false starts of trying to take small steps, but I I kept letting resistance stop me from going further when I hit, when I hit it. Yeah. So if anything, looking back, I'm like, Oh, I, I I wish I had taken more smaller steps to get small wins. Uh, I mean, that's looking back now, but the other on the flip side of that are the, or in the same vein, The false starts led to uh, another false start in April of last year of us recording the podcast. sure. And then taking four, five, six months to actually ship it finally. The process is the process. It's just not on the timeline that I had imagined when I was 17 or 18.
0: Even when you're saying a false start, and I think this goes back to Rick Rubin's book a little bit, as well as Mel Robbins said this too. That it may feel like you're stalled or stopped or, or, um.
1: Not making any movement.
0: Exactly. But sometimes that time and that space and, and that pause is intended and exactly what you need before you catapult forward your creative work.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing for me, like I'm good at pausing. (laughs) And so the biggest thing for me is. What's the smallest thing I can do that will work towards where I think I want to be going? And in, instead of thinking about it all the time, take the tiniest, tiniest little thing, and then grow on that. The next day, maybe take a little bit bigger, and you know that type of thing. It sounds so silly, but it it works. And and the rep it, it's the repetitions and just making it a habit. Saying I had false starts used to feel like a failure. Now I'm looking at it of at least I was trying. Right. I hope I've kind of turned the corner on fearing failure and I'm more often thinking of, oh, I failed. How am I going to do it different now? Instead of, I failed, I'm going to stop. Small actions and making choices that set you up for the next step are a good way of starting.
0: Were you saying like disappointment or regret at some point? One thing I was talking about with my therapist last week, and one thing that she shared that I thought was really interesting that the the feelings of disappointment, regret, and shame are grounded in the past, and it's something that you've already moved past, so you can use them, but you can't necessarily positively change them go back and change the past
1: yes it's kind of is it that thing of like there's no sense worrying about it because it's already happened and you can't change it right is it that
0: yeah so it's it's not to let not to let that disappointment regret and shame take over and on the inverse side being anxious and worrying is really grounded in the future right of the what if what if what if
1: uncertainty
0: uncertainty so one of the things that can really be helpful is not, you know, tethering yourself to the past and the woes of the past, or not consuming yourself with the worries of the future, but really trying to live in the present.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think I've come across some, like, writings on that recently, or in more recent years. And I definitely, I get anxious the uncertainty is scary to me. I've been working on shifting that to oh, the possibility. Right? I think I've brought I've <laughs> that up maybe yeah, a couple yeah, times, yeah. or looking to to shift the surprise that maybe makes me feel off balance to maybe look for the delight in oh. the unknown. Yeah, and and same as
0: kind of curiosity.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then about the past, not letting that keep me grounded like my feet stuck in the past so i'm not moving forward and when you i think when you address both of those poles you realize that all we really have is the present the cute little funny thing i love about that is this time we have now is a gift that's why they call it the present and yeah. Like it makes me giggle and you, somebody <laughs> might roll their eyes at it and if you roll your eyes at it I'm sorry. Um <laughs> I think it's uh it's a good reminder to not get hung up on what has happened and to not let fear stop you from being curious and figuring out what could possibly happen in in a delightful way.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there- so talking about the the present, there's a question that you and I have thought about and talked about quite a bit about happiness and the idea that if you're not happy, what can we do to change it? Mm-hmm. And if we can't change it immediately, what can we do to try and gain some happiness through what it is we're doing? I think that's really powerful. I think it also gives some agency of thinking like, okay, if, if I'm not happy, do something different. If you can't do something different, you get to choose how you frame that.
1: So what I've noticed or what I've learned. (laughs) So in an online course I took, they talked about shifting, right? Transitioning, pivoting, and people talk about that, right? It's like, okay, if you're not happy with where you are, you need to make a shift. But another part of that was identifying what depletes us and what energizes us. And that's, it's been really instrumental for me over the last few months to keep going back to that if I'm in a down mood, let's say, and I identify, like, why do I feel depleted? Bringing that to the forefront and realizing, like, oh, (laughs) I'm, I'm depleted because I'm not getting the things that energize me, you know, like if I can't think of what's depleting me, if I go to what's what I know, what energizes me, it's like connecting with people, listening to music, you know, reading, writing, you know, doing my morning pages. Like it yeah. helps, helps me like do my, my routine. And usually when I'm depleted, it's because I don't feel connected to others or a community or something like that. Cause it's come up, several times in the last few days for me. And I think bringing that to a situation where you're not happy with where you are, it's like, you kind of need to examine like, well, why are you not happy? Like, what aren't you getting out of that situation? And if you can't inject something that energizes you into that situation, you, you need to shift away from that.
0: Sometimes that shifting can be a little scary and unknown. One thing I was thinking about as you're talking through that was there have been, I'll say a few, work environments or positions or cultures that I've been a part of that I knew I had to move on from. It, it was one of those things where somebody told me that you can simply survive in this environment, but you'll never be able to thrive. Because of the situation and the culture, just knowing how unhappy I was, I get what you're saying.
1: Are we beating around the bush here? Are we talking around the fact that I lost somebody that was really important to me on my journey and somebody that was a really big influence in the way that I show up, how people that know me now, how they see me. Is that, I mean, is that what we're trying to do without making me cry? (laughs) Because that's kind of what it feels like.
0: Yeah, I lost somebody. That sucks. Yeah.
1: Like when we talk about trying to be happy or making sure that we're doing things that make us happy. um, I have a note from when I was 18. 18. That Denise gave me that said, that's all, it's all anybody really needs and, and wants. And, uh, it's a letter from, it must be from my graduation, high school, high school graduation. And part of it said, if you're not happy, stop doing what you're doing. And if you feel like you can't stop, begin being happy with what you are doing. And that's kind of how I approach most things. I'm either going to make a change or find a way to get through where I'm at and what I'm having to do.
0: I think those words really emphasize a couple things for me. The first is that happiness is something that is important to find and cultivate in your life. And also, you should go after your dreams. And chase your dreams. I think I might be reading into that some, but I think overall, what I took away when you shared the letter with me is don't be afraid to reach your potential and to chase the dreams you
1: have. So there was another part in there that said, set your goals high and never lose sight of them. Take one step at a time and you will achieve your dreams. And so every time I talk about taking one step, I'm going to remember that she told me that all those years ago. And so I smile when I hear it from other people and other people, I think they got the joke before I did took a little extra time for me to realize like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Just keep moving forward. Huh? Okay.
0: (laughs) Taking those steps and moving forward, small steps, big steps, leaps, pauses. They all up to you going forward to achieve your dreams
1: it's all it's all part of it right you think you think it's going to be a rocket ship (laughs) right when you're little it's true and
0: to the moon
1: yeah it's a little it's a little more of a, a winding road i think
0: kind of that idea that your journey is your journey and that Life isn't as rigid as you think it is, and you have agency to make it something extraordinary and special, and one that brings you happiness and joy. Yeah. And I think that's where I went down into this rabbit hole over the last week. The Alchemist finishing up Mel Robbins' The Five Second Rule. I think the words in the letter you have are so special and kind and caring. It's important to remember that we can have dreams, we can dream, and we can go after them. And for me, Mel Robbins, the five second rule was like, hey, enough, enough just thinking about them. You have that tingle, you have that, like, let's go. Um, I'm getting the tingles right now, like five, four, three, two, one, go. And it's not always that easy, but it could be. <music> We've talked about the journey and we've talked about kind of going after what it is you want. But have we talked about really chasing your dreams? I think that's bigger than just a journey. Because your journey is something that you're on the process to get there. But a dream is something that you want to achieve. And so I don't know if that's a miss or like a gap about like denise said really going after your dreams
1: yeah i I really like that um because i don't know if i've really thought of it that way before like together you know i talk about like oh it's all about the process and, and i embrace yeah. that of what i think of it as it's all process man it's okay if you fail and it doesn't work like i've talked about you know that that dream I had is like a young kid learning guitar, of wanting to be a rock star, right? And yeah that really, like I say, it turned into more of like a, a dream of wanting to be a musician and a performer of some kind, right? and to make connections with people. And now you, you're saying it the way you just did of, well, dreams are goals, And I've only been thinking of goals as like shipping a project or completing a build. Right. I mean, uh, 20 some years ago, Denise wrote, set your goals high and never lose sight of them. Take one step at a time and you will achieve your dreams. Only listen to those people who make you feel great. Your best is not at the expense of others. It is done with respect for you and the love of others. And then she closed it with the best of luck. And don't forget us when you're famous. (laughs) I love that. Yeah
0: i say one other thing the way that she phrased that i like because it makes me feel that dreams are bigger than just goals that dreams include goals but that dreams may not necessarily be a goal itself it's bigger than that how do i say this i see a dream now in hearing that i i'm seeing it more as A combination of goal achievement, of happiness, of a little bit of magic, like a beautiful, beautiful thing that I don't, I don't know if we even have the words to describe.
1: So for me, it's highlighting everything I just said and everything I just read, that it's within my hands, the ability to notice and to be aware, to go after those dreams and those goals. I get to choose to do that. Somebody was telling me about it 20 plus years ago and they're still telling me now. Okay. Should we wrap it up?
0: Yeah, that sounds good.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thanks. I love you.
0: I love you too. Bye. Bye.